Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Star Sound Speaks. This is episode 278, and I'm so glad because I have my star brother, S.J. Anderson, back here with us. Welcome back, S.J. Hey, extremely happy to be here and great to get to share space and time with you to talk about some, you know, fun, interesting, important topics. And every hello, everybody out there. Good to see you all. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yes, fun and interesting, and yes, emphasis. We can probably start with important. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, in this video, what SJ and I are, are going to talk to to all of all of you guys about is it's something that's been on my mind, and it is about this. Um, well, uh, obviously, uh, the current situation in our world and where we are headed. We get a lot of questions about this as astrologers. And it's this year, we've just come out of eclipse season, we're looking ahead. Um, if you don't know SJ, he's a phenomenal astrologer and scholar, and he did a video which really spoke to my heart, um, very much in line with what I have been feeling deeply in my meditations and prayers. And it's a, a great piece of scholarly research that he just released um, it was on Skyscript, and he's released it on his channel. So I'll put the link to that below. It's it's a good video. It's over an hour, but it's very excellent. So if you love research and you really want to see the marriage of astrology with these intense planetary transits um, as they occurred in history and as they are occurring now and as they will occur, I strongly recommend that you you check that out. And if you are new to astrology and you might find a little bit forbidding, you know, all these, a lot of technical terms, don't be put off by that. Just know that there's plenty of English there for it all to make sense. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it is certainly a great educational tool. So we're really grateful for all the hard work that you put in as, you know, behind the scenes. It's It's no small feat. Just want to acknowledge you, SJ, because yeah, you're. Thank you're you, appreciate it. Yeah, no, just say thanks a lot. You know, it's. It, I just want to quickly, you know, this is the fun part. When I said fun earlier, part of it is that as astrologers, it's just trying to keep fun, uh, joy, to include joy in our work and our practice. And for me, astrology is a great passion of mine, and I really have fun making astrology and engaging with astrology. So that's part of also why I, um, with these topics that are so heavy. You know, trying to keep it fun but you know uh, i've been driven by my joy of it to kind of dive in deeply and that's part of what i hope i think you're alluding to with just some of the thoroughness or to the extent it was thorough it's driven by a passion and a joy for the work so right yes yes it is it is for me and yes i just you know we live and breathe astrology as all of our close friends will tell us um in case we've forgotten uh, no, but anyway, yeah, in this video, what we're going to talk about is, yes, these some very important things. And, you know, a lot of this information, it may, I guess we should just say a little trigger warning, you know, this, this can be very upsetting on one level. However, I feel like the, the great, the, when I, you know, when I sat in meditation this morning, how I, what I would speak to you about, or the, the context, what came to to me and then when i talked to sj you know what came to us was it's it's about taking this information that he just released um about the world coming going forward three years four years and even further but looking at it and in terms of a spiritual practice and spiritual knowledge where there is it's not just it's not a bad news video it we are going to talk about some heavy subjects but 
we both have very dedicated spiritual practices and astrology is our spiritual practice. We both, that's why we're such good friends. We agree on that, that it is the very bedrock and foundation of our practice, of our astrological practice. To us, astrology and spirituality, our practice and our practice are one and the same. So with that, we just, before we get into anything further, just to say that so we're, yes, we're going to talk about that, but we also have, there's a particular story that I felt to share, um, and it comes from the Bhagavad Gita, the great um, book of uh, the Vedic tradition of India and Tibet, and it will, I think it will shed light and hopefully give us a really powerful context, that's my desire on this day, to share with you about how to hold all of this information that we're about to share with you. So with that, um, yeah, well, let's dive in. Um, I think I have to say that um, I know you covered a lot of subjects, SJ, you know, Pluto and Aquarius and Uranus and Taurus. And there, there are many, many, many huge, broad things. But if you just wanted to maybe start what what comes to mind right now for you um, in terms of getting this this conversation rolling, um, I think, well, for me. All right. Can I just say what comes to me is this um, it's it. I'll say one other thing. SJ did this great scholarly research using a variety of different, uh, you know, transits, eclipses, eclipse activation points and such. And I happened to, when I first contacted SJ, I said, you know, um, I looked at the progress chart of the USA and it's, and I see where it's at the progressed sun, where the sun he's evolved to since we found, were founded as a country in 1776. It's now at, instead of cancer, July 4th, 13 cancer, it's now 19 Pisces. And it is really suggests a complete dissolution and breakdown of reality, of religion, of belief, of <laughs> real estate. I mean, everything, every opioid crisis. It speaks to so many things. And I asked him, you know, would you like to talk about the progress chart of the USA? And he said, no, it's not really his wheelhouse. We all as astrologers have our own wheelhouse favorite tools but everything that you said in your presentation was really mirroring what i was seeing in the in the usa chart so um i just wanted to first speak about the dissolution and i could what i'm hearing is dissolution and then resolution you know like what do we do with this we are facing a long dark night of the soul so we we might as well just start there yeah and yeah, I'm just going to say quickly a few thoughts. Um, you know, my theory of spirituality and astrology is that the astrology, at least in my story, comes uh, later, actually. My spiritual search and journey and the development of the various spiritual tools that I are essential to my um, mental health and spiritual health and emotional health, those all came first for me. And then I was sort of led to my astrology work. And I tell folks a lot when I read for them, like, let's just throw the astrology out for a second and talk about what you know, spiritual technologies or tool sets we have to develop life, then layering back in the astrology to augment some of the more important things. And I've also said um, to me the the, you know, God, spirit is the most important thing. If I had to choose and, you know, not that we have to, but I would take that over astrology because of how prime uh, that's the, I give primacy to it. Let me maybe put it that way to the spiritual connection, the intuitive knowings, and all of this form of knowledge that comes through intuition and spirituality, to me, trumps ultimately astrological knowledge. I don't think we have to make that choice, and I'm grateful that they're kind of a pair for us. So just wanted to say that. We'll talk about that later in the talk. To come to um, 
this question. I mean, the, the short of it is simply this. I want to just lead with the Uranus and Gemini cycle. And yes, trigger warning, everybody. This is not easy stuff to palette. And I think you can probably skip to the second half when we talk about spirituality. You may be more interested in that if you don't want to hear some of this stuff. But, you know, Uranus, the simple, the reason why this is such a big deal, and it's not just me, it's every astrologer uh, is talking about this. We all have seen this. It's Uranus and Gemini. What is it meant for America? And where, and we start with the Sibley chart. We have Uranus and Gemini in the Sibley chart, first of all, in the seventh house of the other. Did you want Mars. me to pull up the Sibley chart? I can pull it up too, if you want. Sure. Um, I've got yeah. it right yeah, go on my fingertips here. Um, but the sure. Sibley chart is, just give me a second. Uh, the, the, the core of this whole concern for the world, the core of the concern is that Uranus and Gemini has brought warfare to America each and every time since America was founded. Um, and that's the simple thing. So it was the Revolutionary Wars, Uranus and Gemini. America's born out of warfare, Uranus and Gemini related warfare with Mars co-present, self other. Civil war comes. Okay. And these dates are in that video. Just go to my channel at SG Anderson 144. It's the, you'll see a big eagle with green outline. It's, and it's called the rebirth of America. Um, and I go into all this, the niceties, the details of the dates, but basically civil wars, Uranus and Gemini, that's a complete uh, death and rebirth, a whole new post, post-civil war reconstructed, slavery's over. And you have the kind of America of the industrial age there into World War II, which is the next cycle of Uranus and Gemini, America's surprise attack, Uranus, Mars, Pearl Harbor, and then now um, World War II happens. Now we've been living in the post-World War II era up until now, 2025, Uranus will come into Gemini and it will be there till 2033. And so this is what, you know, most, I must say all astrologers, but a lot of the mundane astrologers out there, this is what we're trying to grapple with. What will this be? What will it be? Civil war, war. I mean, and, and there's no way to avoid the topic. That's the other thing I want to just impart on people here. Like, it's one of those things where it's it's such a literal cycle and it's it's repeated three for three that we almost have to, and this is how I think about it, choose to go right in it as opposed to trying to avoid it. Like we have to just go right into this and as a way through it. When you say um, right into it, you're not meaning engaging in war. You're meaning to to like to just look at the reality of this and and be with it. Yeah, I mean seeing it and and as the task of the astrologer is to look in the, at the cycles and and see when cycles come about and fully bring our consciousness into engaging with the meaning making of those cycles. And it would not behoove us to excise the fact that this is some has been uh, the core meaning for this cycle. So that's what I mean. Like we have to put that right on the center of the plate and say, here's a cycle that's been war. And we must now engage with it before it arrives so that we can um, elegantly move through it. And maybe just maybe, and I talk about this in the talk, maybe it doesn't have to be war this time. But I think the only way to even have a shot of avoiding an outcome, though these worst outcomes, is to engage with the meaning making of the cycle directly as we're on the cusp of this cycle arriving, such that it's this classic spiritual principle. If you make something known, you are able to integrate, or the word I use, transmute, 
uh, if you um, ignore it or if it's operative unconsciously, that can sometimes breed what we call reenactment or traumatic or unconscious reenactment. And that's the whole reason I released that talk. This is the mm -hmm. fundamental spiritual reason is that I want us to see this and maybe psychically will somehow uh, like a liver at the liver that we can process these kind of darker cyclical, um, very prominent and undeniable things and let our, the kind of collective unconscious, like a liver somehow tr uh, filter it out so that we can not experience worst case scenarios. So that's what I mean. I know that's a long kind of answer to what you said. And thanks for, for, for bringing that up because we need to clarify that, but it's, yes, that's how I see why we would want to look at this. Of course, not going into war. No, I'm a peacenik. I want to lay down the weapons. I want the world leaders tomorrow to say, we are now, we have a department of peace and let's just build peace together collectively in terms of the global community and the global world order. So that's my personal hope. But well, you know, but as you're as you're saying this, what flashed in my mind was uh, yes, there has been these wars that have occurred with when the Uranus return and Gemini. But um, I, I flash, I I can't speak for the Civil War, you know. But I know that in the time of World War II, um, there were um, they were called Foo Fighters. These fighter pilots saw UFOs in the sky. And that was going back World War II, right? So it wasn't just, it wasn't Roswell, which of course, there were transits to the, the Uranus when Roswell, the Roswell incident happened. But I'm just saying, back, going back to the wars, World War II, um, yes, there, there it was. So to me, that represents that there is this other reality that can be uh, chosen you know, that, that maybe this other reality was trying to butt its head in to say, look, guys, you know, you don't have to kill each other. There are Uranus can signify ETs and Gemini in the air, right? ET intervention out of nowhere, odd, doesn't fit our world. It doesn't fit our reality paradigm. But it's like it's like this part that's like really wanting to be birthed into our consciousness. So I just had to say that. Yeah, and I mean, this is the the great crisis breeds growth. I mean, that's the other major theme I would throw here. Uranus and Gemini is followed by Uranus and Cancer, and the cycles that I break down in that video. It's there's a major rebuild phase with Uranus and Cancer every time, where you actually have new foundational structures that emerge that then set a course for the next eighty four year cycle. So you know, if we come to our local space, whatever this is the kind of crisis will breed in terms of accelerating changes of these Uranian changes. Yeah, whether it's ET or some new spiritual understanding AI, I mean, I, I go through the list of what I think this could be about. We're now in an age of air with the Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions. I think the AI emergence will be is a major wild card. You know, AI might just yeah. kind of show us the way here collectively and, and we can move beyond, you know, nation states. Uh, the worst parts of the, the national or the nation state structure of, of what the world community has been in, uh, you know, built upon for hundreds of years. And we can move into some kind of more collective technologically oriented global community. I mean, we already see that budding with things like Zoom um, way away from where you are in the world. And we have a real time sharing of ideas. That's all going to continue where we can have this kind of global 
uh, creativity that emerges through technology that I think will help maybe shift this cycle. I say it in the talk, Uranus and Gemini, the difference between this one and the ones that have arrived prior are that these were, those happened in an age of fire. So this is age of fire, just in terms of Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions. So they're happening in fire signs here. And this, then they shift in the early 19th century, Jupiter and Saturn conjunctions happening in earth signs. And so two of the Uranus and Gemini uh, cycles were uh, earth sign, Saturn, Jupiter, age, elemental age cycles. But we have a new elemental age that started in from 1980 to 2020, that this is the first Uranus and Gemini in the elemental age of air, which means that technology could be some kind of saving grace where this symbolism might express rather than kinetic in the earth warfare. Right. It's some kind of more ideas, the war of ideas, the war of information. And these would be better outcomes, I think, at some level, though I still think it could be psychically challenging. It doesn't have to be kind of, you know, a billion people dead or something like this. Um, so it anyhow, doesn't have just... to be that like robot, robot, robot apocalypse either. It doesn't have to be that it can be. There's a higher octave that that is always available to us that maybe this is the time, especially with it, the Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions being air that, yeah, it's lighter and it's mind. And it's maybe it's, I could say, you know, maybe coming from our future self, the integration of our future selves into and, and future mind into our thinking and our whole processing. And, you know, collectively, as we're talking about the United States here, you know, collectively as a country, um, so anyway, I just I just wanted to say that, yes, I, to really impress upon people that it doesn't mean that we have to continue the past, especially with Uranus, especially Uranus. Yeah, this is our big chance. It doesn't the past doesn't have trauma like that with warfare. It doesn't have to happen like that. It can be there can be a new turning here. That's I feel it's being presented to us. So yes. that's that's hopeful. That's hopeful. And but I, I will say I will come in. But what if it does have a repeat? I mean, I think that this is kind of the purpose of the talk. Like, what if there is some kind of echo in terms of like warfare? Right. And this is when you turn on the news right now, you know, in 2023. Yeah. And there's a choice we have to make. Like there is, yeah, it's going to be an echo. It's not like we can step over that, but it's like, okay, you, you know, this is how it's happened the, all these cycles. And here it is again, you know, what are you going to choose? Or how are you going to prepare? I mean, that would be the other mm -hmm. way. Like, like, what if this? These are just these are like faded cycles where we're just caught up in them. And how do you psychically prepare to go through something like World War II? You know, that would be that would be a, a relevant, uh, at least another layer here that I think would I that's I would want to mention just to be honest, basically. Like, you know, obviously you don't want it. You want to transmute it and have a new version. Okay, that's layer one. Layer two is, well, what if there is an echo that is actually somewhat similar? How are you going to psychically prepare for it? And I think it would be one thing would just to say is like these history books do hype this stuff up. But when you look at actually the number of lives involved in terms of the real chaos, those are actually a lot smaller than what our histories would kind of make us seem because of a lot of times history is written for dramatic effect and you kind of they are important for like narratives of grand narratives of reality but most people are navigating day to day and will probably be fine even if there is a some kind of crisis 
And that's good to remember, like you're, you know, it doesn't mean world, your world has to blow up. It might mean that we're navigating with, you know, kind of darkness in the world. Like now, I mean, let's just be honest. I'm sitting here in November 2nd. There's real darkness on the news right now. Um, and we don't have to break all of that down because it's kind of, it's like controversy, right? But I mean, there's two wars in the world, major wars, war in Ukraine, war in the Middle East. That's dark. And we're, we're having to grapple with that real time now, you know, and before this cycle even hits. And so it may just be more like that, where the news is crazy, but we have our interpersonal spheres that we, it will become more imperative to stabilize those spheres and to celebrate life and send love and create all the beauty that humans can create, even though the news is horrifying. So I just, you know, it's, yes, it's let's avoid it, but it's also, I think, somewhat likely that we're going to have to do this other thing, which is living with it well and living with it um, in a way that's fit, that celebrates, you know, the best of what humans can bring. So anyhow, go ahead, early And I hope I just want to, yeah. that distinction, I think is important because. Yeah. And I, I didn't mean that it was about avoiding it or, or okay. yeah, I think it, it definitely, that whole thing about the shot, it, it is coming up and yeah, I, I, I don't, I didn't want it. Do you think that I meant that it was ignoring this thing? But I'm just saying, okay, you know, given that this echo, you know, is occurring and we're seeing, like we're seeing it right now in the news, given that this is happening, you know, what, um, what, yeah, I agree with you. What, what do we do to affect, we feel powerless about what's happening in the Middle East. You know, we're on, I'm on the other side of the world and it's like, what do we do? What do we do? Well, that's where our spiritual practices come in. That's where we really come into this. If you think about Uranus Gemini too, it's like this, the understanding that, you know, what, what I do affects people on the other side of the world. You know, like if you, the car door slams and a butterfly in China is, you know, affected or whatever that saying is, it's like to really come into that understanding that we are all in this one big, I don't know how to say it, <laughs> cosmic soup <laughs> and all of our choices, each individual choices, how that affects everybody. Um, and, and so there is this chance, yes, we see this war and everything going on. And, and yet there is this chance to, it's only, but I think I agree with you, it's only by embracing what's there and not hiding from it um, that we, we're, then we're empowered, that we're empowered to do something. We're in our power when we when we see that there is a choice, a lot of times people don't even realize there is a choice. We have to say, you know what? There is a choice. Yeah. It's and I think the choice, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, that's all. Okay. I was just say, I just like, when I think about that, there is a choice. What are, what specific choice like day to day? And I know we were going to talk about a little, we were thinking about talking about that in a second, but I think we should talk about that here because it's highly yeah. relevant to what are the choices? And so for me, when I think about like the, like just today, what choices do I have? Well, I could, uh, you know, I can do my prayer uh, uh, work that I do. I mean, I have a set of spiritual practices that I've come to rely on to ground me, calm me, open my heart and keep me, um, you know, uh, more on the side of like satisfied versus suffering in terms of the Buddha in the Buddhist sense. I, and so for me, that's like the number one choice I'm confronted with every day is my personal self-care and spiritual practice. Cause no matter what these transits are going to bring collectively without that, I'm not going to be able to um, have the, whether it's like the butterfly effect of kind of cosmic reverberation and some like um, 
new physics style. And I'm down with that completely. I've talked a lot about prayer studies that prayer can actually change reality. So I'm down with that. So, but whether it's that something that's a little bit more abstract or kind of less centered in our discourse, or whether it is just literally being able to stay grounded as I go out in my day to buy my groceries and, you know, people are scared or the clients I see are scared or my family is scared. Like I, I can be there for them in more tangible, direct ways. If I'm choosing to tend to my soul and spirit and my, um, you know, mentality around this stuff as we enter into it. So that's when I think about choice. I think about those kind of practical things that allow me to thrive might be a good term or have a, a light, a light of spirit, a, a spirit being lit so yes. that I can, you know, um, add value to the either local stories or the kind of more cosmic I'm at, be able to add the, that good energy. Yeah. We have agency in the light of this horrific, you know, these wars that we're seeing on. Yeah. Is that what you think about with agency? Sorry, just like choice and agency. Is that where you go with it? Or do you think about it in another way? I think that, um, you know, yes, there's this war going on right now, wars. And, um, and it's just a matter of, you know, what do we do with this? And you know, who do we be in the face of this situation? That's we we have a choice. How do we want to hold this in what in our consciousness? How do we want to hold that? Because that that'll affect the whole world. You know, are we going to buy into the fear and and feeling powerless or, you know, because there's a lot of news and information that will drive us in that direction and and or you know it's a choice you know who are we going to listen to on our own level but i mean out in the world you know there there's a lot of narratives out there that are pulling us in different directions so i don't know if that makes any sense it makes a complete amount of sense and i'm really happy you said it because i was i didn't even go there but coming back to the uranus and gemini and mars and gemini this is information and I really think that there's a what I would call it is um, healthy media intake, or there's a term for that, a media diet, our media diets, and and ten and, and caring for and kind of curating the media diet so that um, the triggering of these kind of emotional states, re, more like let's call it more reactive or more just kind of harmful emotional and mental states, that that's a big part of it too. And I, I think I would put that subset back kind of in like, like spiritual gardening or something like that as a higher level. That would include media curation, that would include the spiritual technologies that come on the mind. A lot of what I do, so just to say we talked about this a little earlier, but I love the breath work you had mentioned to me. You're into the Kundalini activation. I do something we called it in my yoga training, a Kapalabhati, which is just like oh. a, it's a Sanskrit for like cleaning the lungs. Mm -hmm. And you do it with a, basically a breath, a kind of breath, the fire. I, I learned a specific version of it for my tradition that I think it's different than like the Kundalini schools that are popular in the yoga centers in America over the last 20, 30 years, they have their own version of breath of fire. But the idea of just breath work, like, I mean, the breath is so powerful to change the mind and to heal the body and to clean the body and to just kind of prepare the, the mental emotional space for something that's not toxic, you know, and so that's something I would definitely consider folks, even if it's just doing like counting your breath, breathing in, 
full exhales, count 10. There's different people that are like 10, five, four, or whatever those are, but like engaging with your breath directly is kind of a rubber meets the road strategy for, um, you know, getting out of the, the, the more, uh, the darker Gemini of the crazy mind and the maybe triggering through the mind breath is body. It's, it's, it's a, you know, I know it's an air breath is air, but like Venus is the breath in some of the older texts, you know, Venus rules Taurus, you know, we're talking about the body side of, of the breath. So, you know, that's one strategy. Um, others, I'll just keep in mind, my core that I really got deep in when I was younger was Vipassana, which is just simply sitting and paying attention to the body. Again, it's all about living with letting the mind flow however it wants to, but you bring the attention back to something else. And so these are strategies to maybe kind of, if Uranus and Mars trigger and it's like, wow, these crazy mental things or crazy images on screens, you know, um, these sort of spiritual te- yogas that I do that all every day, a few asanas that's body and it's not mind anything that where the phone gets set away. So I just think I, and that's what I'm thinking about early on is like these kind of choices for, you know, some of the choices I'm thinking about that I'm going to have to make. Those are just some examples for me that I think go well with your idea here of media diet um, as a part of it too. And I don't want to simplify what you meant there, but that's just, I like, I've always liked that phrase, media diet, you know? Yeah. Now more than ever, goodness gracious. The plutocracy, the, <laughs> the rule by the, the wealthy and, and how they control the media and uh, the, the legacy media, as they now call it mainstream media, legacy media, and that whole narrative, you know, and it's like, yeah, we, we're, at, we're at such a choice point here. And, and maybe that's a good segue just into one of the other kind of technical astrological uh, parts of this. It's definitely the year for those that are out there that are like, give me the astrology, you know, uh, I don't want your spirituality. I understand everybody has different ideas, but it's the Pluto and Aquarius stuff. And that's another big part of this cycle is that when we get Pluto into Aquarius here, finally entering in November 2024 for good, what we're triggering is this is the Sibley chart, but we're triggering um, a whole cycle that saw George Washington, first president, that saw the first government in America. These were kind of the revolutionary um, new institutions that came about and, and Pluto's productive powers that made kind of new structures. And I think that's a big part of the story here is that even if there's a more revolutionary component over the next uh, year, two, three, four, in terms of like a Uranus, like the phase of these cycles would be Uranus and Gemini is maybe more of the, the, the kind of kinetic phase. And then, but, but Pluto and Aquarius is also a real productive for revolution as well, but simultaneously new institutions. And so when you have Uranus coming into cancer, I believe in 2033, that part of the 2030s, you'll also have Pluto right in the middle of Aquarius. And that's the time where it's, there's a real opportunity for like a new world that's being born. And, and, you know, um, and I really do feel like we have a, like, even with our speech, you know, you're on YouTube, I'm on YouTube, we have outlets to talk like we're doing now, like, what was the world you want? I think even our trying to articulate that a little bit, you know, we know we want less plutocracy maybe and more, you know, um, individual or more support for the underdog is how I would say it, you know, support for the little, the, the dispossessed. That's the phrase I like. The dispossessed, um, yeah. The outsiders, the fringe. 
yeah so that's another part of this this cycle that we're going to about to live through um what about 2024 for you i mean have you seen like this election is a big part of it i think we should probably throw that in here are you yeah. looking into some of that astrology yet in terms of what you think might be happening with with um how intense it could get i mean election cycles every year tend to be where you have a lot of um media mm -hmm. um triggers and just you know uh heat let's say around you know even violence sometimes um this election cycle has the 1968 election nodal return which was known kind of notorious for some of the violence at like the con those conventions the dnc mm -hmm. in paris where are you yeah paris yeah well, what I'm I what I was looking at, what's really intriguing to me is the ne next springs that lunar eclipse and that Jupiter Uranus conjunction forming, and it'll be exact a couple of weeks after the April eighth total solar eclipse, which of course runs through America, and that's that ties into you know they they say that wherever the the affairs of that country are especially highlighted wherever the eclipse path falls, well. It goes into um, part of Canada too, but I'm just saying that so much, and it does start in Mexico, but um, you know, so much of that uh, really, uh, I'm looking at, boy, that thing, that just blows my mind to think about the possibilities of you know, what that could look like, the Ju especially Jupiter-Uranus conjunction happening so close to that eclipse. But wow, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think this is actually a good one to sort of settle into a little bit in terms of um, what I was focused on with it was this Mars-Saturn in the 8th. And I know this is right where that progressed sun of Sibley is somewhere right, it's 19 Pisces, you're, you're saying? Um, progressed sun is, yeah, 19 Pisces. So it's right there, right past, you know, it's, it's yeah, right and after Saturn. this is the 8th, the, the 8th house, and this is the eclipse chart for Philadelphia uh, 8, 8 April 2024 and I when I in that talk I was thinking I mentioned these eclipses and I'm like eighth house both Mars and Saturn kind of a trigger there around yeah. economy you know and this is one of the big stories that we're going through now the bond market where you have the rates have gone up it's created the housing situation that you were alluding, alluding to earlier there may be some kind of big economic story that as often in election years too you have these economic gyrations because people are trying to influence the perception of voters of you know um i mean there's theories about why but you can pull up the charts the election mm -hmm. year stock market there's often selling and just real, real big gyration and okay. i hadn't seen yeah go ahead just quickly that the jupiter uranus that i that's i'm glad um to hear you point that out because I'm aware that it happens but I I didn't piece it together yet that's right on the midheaven in this chart in Taurus and and so this mm. is like the Taurian is the earth and the materiality with some kind of Uranian uh trigger and then you have the eighth house which is the midheaven like America will be known for some kind of Uranus and Taurus Uranian trigger at this time but it's this whole eighth house thing which is the global reserve currency holder the petrodollar I'm seeing this makes me very um, interested in the economic fates next year of, of how things might unfold. Digital wow. currency, you know, to me, that speaks really loud. Like people talk about central bank digital currencies, um, that, you know, the possibility of that or how that is lining up. Um, I, I also see, you know, eighth house, I think about um, 
you know, it's, it's, uh, it can be insurance and of course, death, taxes, life, death, sex, and taxes. It's all 8,000, but the insurance, I mean, I, I've been reading stories, many stories pointing to the, everything we're talking about here. One of them that comes to mind right now is it was in the news the other day that um, insurance companies are like getting out of Florida at record rate and people who live on the ocean, especially in Florida, cause they've had the most, they pay the highest, uh, they pay the highest premiums because of the storms, but people can't even get insured anymore um, on because it's astronomical on the on the uh, shorelines and and many here's but the the new kick the kicker of that story is that now people are even drop even with these multi million dollar homes are dropping insurance that they don't want to even pay the premiums that they can get and of course to me that's like the thread on the sweater that just unravels everything. You know, if if you're not buying into the insurance, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm going to just say it's to me. It's like a racket, and and so you're everybody just pulling out of that. Then then there's nothing left. There goes the insurance industry, and nobody's if they're not nobody, but but those people paying in the premiums that have been the bedrock of that whole industry, and now they're starting to pull out. Wow, talk about collapse. Bailout. This would also could be maybe there's, you know, of course, they're going to demand a bailout to rescue the economy. That could trigger some of the inequity conversations that Jupiter and Taurus has been about with uh, Occupy. Um, Wall Street happened during that uh, transit. And then there were some others in history. I real quick, just this Chiron, I hadn't seen that. It's it's right with the sun and moon, and I'm, yeah. I'm not even. You don't big, use Chiron, Chiron in your practice as, mu as much. I have it here on my on my preset settings. Actually, in readings, I bring these are How the you settings bring... you're looking at that I always read with my clients as a oh, and, starting and, place. And you know what else, Esther? I don't know if you know this, yeah. but Chiron, um, the USA is in a, in a Chiron return. Okay, I can get Sibley. So Chiron was in Aries in Sibley. Is yeah, and I think it was about nineteen yeah. degrees. It's it's an 20. exact Chiron return. And the last time the Chiron return, I know that we had Watergate. Was uh -huh. um, yeah, was Watergate. So um, you know that again, this this big showdown with the government and with the individual rights. You know, like these, of course, the Watergate, the the two reporters, Woodward and Bernstein, and um you know the the individuals and the you know it happens in the fifth house of the usa chart but anyway here it is in oh you changed the chart i just i just came up because i had it here oh, i, I want to just okay. show everybody simply there it is Chiron there it at is. 20 degrees eight degree minutes wow yeah and then it'll Sorry. station like retrograde Chiron will retrograde on that point at some point i think it's next year i did a whole i i don't have it handy my notes about that mm -hmm. but yeah it is wild. It's like, <laughs> goodness gracious. Well, I'm glad we can stumble into this little um, this little topic set because this is the great thing about talking with astrologers, by the way, everyone out there, is that we really do, there's something about two astrologers coming together to share where things just emerge that then will, I think, are important to have seen. But Chiron right at 19 with the sun and moon during that eclipse visible through America. And it's the Chiron return of America. Well, I'm just, that's kind of and, a lot to take in for me because of um, it's in Aries and we're talking now about, you know, martial things. And so, you know, this is, 
as we're building to that Uranus and Gemini, it just really gives, and I'm just thinking about the news right now. We've got the air, these carriers in the Mediterranean, the largest fleet ever assembled of aircraft carriers right in the Mediterranean. I mean, that's a huge martial thing right now, as we have this talk, Mars is in Scorpio. And so you see kind of when Mars gets involved, the, you know, but with Chiron wounded healer, I'm just, and it's the, and so anyhow, I, I don't want to get too much into that, how heavy that is for me, but seeing it really does bring some heaviness here because a delineation eclipse charts, things that are closely conjoined, the sun and moon, they do take over often the nature of an eclipse, like something that's right on an angle or right with the luminaries that are eclipsed. I mean, this is like the Chiron eclipse. I think that's the name for it now. This is like the Chiron, it has to be that. The Chiron I mean. eclipse. Gosh. yeah so i'm uh, sorry to go off a little there but no it's okay I, yeah okay, okay. and then that the, it's ruler approaching a conjunction with saturn saturn pisces. but it, it's almost like but with saturn and pisces it's like okay um you know what what do i believe in and this last this saturn retrograde that's just wrapping up it's like what do i believe in what's real for me what is my religious beliefs is that what what's gonna hold me anymore and maybe i'm changing religions or i don't believe in this anymore and and so with mars there it's like i don't know to me that could feel yeah do you remember that what was the name of that movie years ago um sj won all kinds of awards well actually it was based on a true story of these two guys in world war one and they were in a in a ditch together they were uh what do they call them doughboys or you know in the trenches to trench warfare mm -hmm. and there were these oh. two one from opposite side the, the allied and the, the german and the i don't know american or english guy and they they were just alone together and they and they uh it became i think christmas happened i don't know they they found themselves alone are you familiar with this story no, but I'm very interested in it. I will say I'm familiar with the story of the Christmas truce that's that, very that's famous what... in World War II. Oh, that's yeah. it, where they play soccer. So the, and, and then the elites were like, no, go kill each other. And they're like, no, right. we're right. going to play soccer because the Germans, by that time, soccer had spread with the, the, the English or the British and the Germans. Okay. And so they played again. I thought it was soccer. World War One, but yeah. Yeah. It they, is World War One. It is World War One. Oh, it is World War One. Okay. And yeah. everybody. And they all left behind all these differences and separation. So to me, that Mars Saturn conjunct, I mean, you know, I um I see that as, you know, maybe that's going to be part of this narrative is this this and who am I fighting for? And is that really my truth? And I, I you know, it's wow, you know, I, I may have the you know, Jupiter ruling the Saturn conjunct Uranus. I may have some sudden realizations that what the hell am I doing? What are we fighting for? I, people are already starting to feel that, you know, like I'm not on the yeah. side of Hamas. I'm not on the side of Israel. I'm not on anybody. I think everybody should knock it off. Like you, you're all, everybody's right, you know, and everyone's, and, and and we're this right, wrong matrix is just people waking up, you know, this is not how it's going to, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to bring this. I actually have a tweet about the Christmas truce of 1914 had German and English soldiers lying down their arms to sing carols, mm. exchange gifts and play soccer. So this is I was tweeting about this in 2019. Mars was in the heart of the sun in Capricorn, burning up the worst of its warlike significations. I just want to open this chart and see if there's how much Pisces was involved just out of curiosity, you know, but it was an Aries moon. And that's kind of near that eclipse where Chiron, you know, same sign with a Mars that has some kind of, you know, dignity in Pisces, you know, Mars does have dignity, a form of dignity there in Pisces. So maybe there's something there where 
like even though there's a lot of Mars in that eclipse chart, we we do Mars doesn't always have to be war; it can be peace. I mean, it's just in, and so these like realizations, Piscean realizations that you describe, I love that uh, for that moment maybe as a way to, um, uh, yeah, lay down arms or or not go into the kind of martial worst case scenarios. I did see a story this week of someone making the it's it's rising right now these TikTokers are like, and even military guys are like, listen, I'm not going to go to war for this. Like, it just doesn't fit my values to go to war, to fight for something that doesn't really align with the value set. And that could be Pisces too, because Venus is an exaltation Lord. And, you know, Venus is what we love. I think it's worth considering I'm trying to get back to the. And, um, and, and when Saturn was in Pisces in the late sixties, that's when you had the draft Dodgers and people who said, I don't believe that I should be supporting this matrix. So there is that or or people who might have been in the military that abandoned and went AWOL and you yeah. know like they just yeah so that there's all that I, the I think that could that could be a story here but how I do think you it's a major no I think it's a major story no I think I think you know what you've just raised here to me is is a major layer here that's extremely powerful and important that deserves more attention now we're making a video on it but these things need to be like published you know Twitter uh, X, uh, just this whole narrative about yeah, what is the Piscean and how can the warfare? The Chiron is the healer, right? It's the wound, but it's the it's the healing, and so it may be that we see you know we don't want war. We know how horrible it is, and so we're going to kind of not we, do it. We're going to be brave and step out and not be you know with that South Node in 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 Libra. It's like you know people might not like what we're going to do, but I'm you know sorry, sorry, not sorry. Um, and so, yeah, and I notice here, Eris, 24 Aries, isn't that Eris? Yeah, that's Eris right here, Eris 24 and Mercury, Aries, Yeah, exact partile conjunction. So speaking up and changing your mind and, and, and initiating a whole new mindset. So about battle and war and, you know, yeah, I, I just, it's pretty fascinating. 1924, I mean, look at that. That's crazy. Yeah. 19 degrees 24 minutes i mean yeah. chiron like yeah. oh my god if that is it's not crazy it's yeah. crazy yeah we oh, i think we we know i may do um if i get your permission or we could talk later but this we could sure. make this little segment uh and just kind of edit this because i think it's too important to not sh we got a this was a, an important breakthrough i feel like and i and this and, and i'm glad we looked at this um wow i'm just kind of floored a little bit and I, this is extremely potent and powerful and what let me ask you this if this is okay you know i i think also in this chart with this building saturn neptune story because that come that continues all throughout 2024 saturn gets closer to neptune and then into 2025 that's a big story of 2025 too. Saturn gets darn close to Neptune and then they conjoin in that first degree of Aries. Aries in February, 2026. But if we go to a chart like in the 8 November, 2025, you see they're coming together here, trining Jupiter uh, in Cancer. And I wanted to ask you, cause you mentioned about like new, letting go of an old belief and kind of coming into a new belief system that can sustain or bring one into more of a peaceful spiritual posture. You mentioned to me before the story of um, the Gita. Do you want to oh, maybe bring that in here? Cause I think that's, 
looking at that eclipse chart and seeing the Piscean Mars Saturn trigger, it just I do think we're now kind of here to this larger Piscean story and um I and and it's it's this this sea story that you had mentioned to me earlier. I just want to remind us Saturn stationing direct right now. Uh this is two November and in two days we'll actually get the exact direct station of Saturn and Pisces. So that this has become part of what we're talking about. It does feel like it's important now for our local moment, but then for this kind of future moment of the peak of Saturn in Pisces, arguably, is here towards the end when it gets closer in 2025 to Neptune, and it's right here, something like this moment. So anyhow, is, do you, yeah. is that appropriate, Irliana, to go sure. there now? Okay. Yeah, especially with, you know, with Saturn at zero Pisces in this, this I think it's until the end of the month, it's going to be yeah. at zero and so that is that we're at a really powerful like I always say that the zero degree is like the the acorn the oak the mighty oak the acorn of the mighty oak so it has the pure potential of of what can happen encased in this little acorn and so what how do you want your reality to be what is your ideal reality what is your what are the truths that are most and and let that laying down that new foundation we've had it's since June, we've had several months to think about it and contemplate, but it's like, wow, we're at this intersection and how do we want our future, our next generations to look like? Um, and so, you know, everybody walking off a battlefield, I'm good with that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Let's all go make food and celebrate and dance. And I always used to say, you know, if everybody could just put down their guns and everybody make a big street party, like a block party, and you make your shish kebab and I'm going to make my spaghetti. And I don't know, just everybody just <laughs> start talking about food, you know, like kind of bonds people. Anyway, hey, Jupiter, you're on his conjunction in Taurus, you know, maybe... <laughs> I can't revolution by let's let's eat let's just I don't know we're just getting silly here but yes let's talk about that Matsya Vishnu um do you want to pull that up or do you still have that yeah I do and I'll pull that up here I just want to say I, I think this is at the beginning I was like fun and I listed those things and you're like let's put important first this is kind of what I meant about fun was like you know um, it's the Christmas truce I'm glad that somehow came out here we didn't talk about that at all as we were I know. I just, I just get images as we're yeah. talking, you know, flash, flash, flash. And yeah, so it, that's it what flashed was, in. I, I wasn't yeah. either, you know, that's what's so exciting is to, we're in For that. Sure, but I mean, it was fun. That was, you read that, like, and I, I researched it a little bit for, and I wrote that tweet, but they were like partying together, basically. It was just guys partying. Yeah. They said, we're not going to do the war. We're going to like sing and party and share food. That's what they did during the Christmas truce. And so as you're talking about, the spaghetti and the other thing. And that's what I feel is really a, a, a moment here of the Christmas truce. And I think it's, to me, that's part of this Chiron and Aries with that Aries moon during the Christmas truce and with the Chiron return. And then, then that eclipse having like, that's the whole thing. It's like our deep woundedness allows for the fun. You know, Mars can be fun. Aries can be a real fun energy. It's just like, let's get grooving. Let's just get into it and do it. And, and even Pisces with Mars and Pisces, that's a fun Mars so I love that. Um, anyhow, that's, I'm just glad to, we, we discovered this, you know, quote unquote, discovered this through the course of our talk today. I mean, yeah, I'm really floored. Uh, I'm, I'm going to, this is going to, I'm going to be thinking about this. Let me see where um, the, I, I saved that file and let me just quickly do it. I'm going to stop share for a second and kind of get that file up so people can. So while I'm opening up my uh, files here, 
Um, maybe is there anything on your mind, but like with the Gita, what is the Bhagavad Gita? Maybe people would want to know about that. that Do you yeah. have any background on that? The Gita is um it's one of the holy books um and and sacred to the Hindu tradition. Um, and uh, the Vedic tradition goes back, it predates Hinduism, it goes back, you know, thousands of years. If you were Christian, you could say maybe that or had a Christian background or upbringing, you could say that this is like the Hindu Gospels or the, the Vedic Gospels. And these these are sacred scriptures that were written thousands of years ago. And it it's... Um, it's a. I have a copy of it. It's beautiful, beautiful yeah. book. Um, you can read the Sanskrit and then the English translation underneath, and and it talks about life and it's it's actually a discourse between Arjuna and Krishna on the battlefield of life, and it's a metaphor for being on the earth plane and doing things that you know you're on the plane and you have choices to make and the things that you don't want to do and you don't want to fight, but sometimes you just gotta fight, and it's this is incredible discourse. But um, I, I'm not by any means am I an expert on the Gita at all, you know, but I that much I do know. And, and it is a very holy book. So I don't know if anything you want to add to that. <laughs> just to say, I mean, I'm not an expert yet. I've had copies in my past and I've read through it some. Uh, it, I just reminded of the film Oppenheimer it came out this year. Big movie right. this summer with Venus and Leo. And uh, that plays a role because there's a scene. It was actually people in India were really mad because there's a love scene. And part of the love scene is that Oppenheimer takes the Gita off the shelf and they're kind of, it's like lovers reading poetry and they're reading the Gita. And, and, and but my thing with the Gita is I've always, the one thing I've always taken from it um, and the quote from it that's always been stayed with me is that uh, Krishna tells Arjuna sometimes you have to be go to war like there's a like war is part of the human experience and he's like i'm i'm scared he's like go be a warrior like go fight that's what your that's your spiritual path right now is to fight and so i always thought about the gita as kind of this weird like inverting what my values are peace totally and then it's like you have the god saying no you need to go fight that's what the spiritual thing to do is there's a contradiction there and so that I've always kind of held that Gita contradiction. I, and I mean, what that's a kind of an aside here. Maybe it relates to Chiron and Aries and the whole themes that we've talked about with Uranus and Gemini, and Mars and Gemini and Sibley. But there's something there about what is it, you know, let me just say it in my way that I feel comfortable. Like, what would it mean to be a fighter during this time? The no, A noble fighter for what I believe. And like, you've already raised some things like having fun in the face of terror or in the face of real challenge still get cooking together and celebrating and a Christmas truce and having fun that takes courage that's fighting for like you know peaceful connection between beings uh fighting for peace like not going to the war dodging the draft um you mentioned that earlier that would be kind of a maybe a Krishna an art a courage courageous way to engage this moment if these types of things are presented um, doing our spiritual work is, I think, courageous, and there's kind of a warrior nature to that, even because of the day-to-day -day uh, nature of spiritual practice. It's very martial. You're in the barracks. You wake up. You meditate. You you've lived, and I think, in spiritual communities. I have too at times. They they run very martial. There's calendars and schedules, and you're assigned jobs, and you're meditating at certain times. I mean, this is kind of how. Maybe there's what we're what we're being communicated. What's being communicated is like this idea of kind of marshalizing a little bit some of our of our practices to just make sure we're engaging well. 
Um, you know, those are a few thoughts I have there. I have the quote up here. Should I put this on yes, the screen? Yes, and, okay. Yes, and and just to tell everybody what this is, this was a chat GPT output. I earlier when I was talking to you early on, I, she was mentioning this story to me and I just typed in, this is how cool chat GPT is. I said, Lord Vishnu Gita fish on beach got bigger and unintelligible. And that was my prompt. I've learned how to prompt with this. You can just basically have pigeon speech or a few words and it knows exactly what I wanted. And then it gave me this whole write-up that was part of it. I don't know if I'll, should I, do you want to read, should we read this or I think I'll just kick it to you and maybe you can take sure. it from here. Yeah. I have some people on Spotify and Apple audio platforms. And so it would be good for me to, to read it, you know, for them if, for no other reason. All right. Um, so this is a, a story and I feel this, what we're going to say is this, the story, how it speaks to this current time. And what we said, when we, when we began our conversation together, SJ and I, how I said about having a spiritual practice and what's the, yes, this is trigger warnings that we issued and how this looks pretty dire right now, what we're going through and, um, and what we can do to, you know, how do we hold this and, and how do we become empowered by this? So having a spiritual practice. So this, um, in, in this particular thing, it says, um, this has to do with, in, in the Vedas, they talk about Lord Vishnu and there's different, um, different um, ways in which the, the deities appear. And in one um, avatar uh, incarnation of Lord Vishnu is Matsya, Matsya Vishnu, which means fish in Sanskrit. So um, this is a story of how Vishnu transformed into a great fish to save the world from a deluge. So you think about, you know, the progressed sun, Saturn, <laughs> Saturn and 19 Pisces, the moon, new moon, progressive new moon coming up there next year, right in time with that lunar eclipse. You talk about water and floods. Wow. All right. The story goes that Matsya, initially a small fish, was caught by a king named Manu, who is regarded in Hindu tradition as the progenitor of mankind. Manu was about to throw the fish back into the ocean when it pleaded for protection. Out of compassion, Manu decided to keep the fish, transferring it to a jar. The fish kept growing rapidly and had to be moved to a larger vessel, then to a pond, then to a river. And eventually, Matsya was returned to the ocean as it had grown too large for any containment. Matsya informed Manu of an impending great flood that would destroy all life and instructed him to build a giant boat. When the flood came, Manu used the boat to save himself, the sages, and samples of all species on earth. Matsya is said to have guided Manu's boat through the flood, often depicted as a large fish towing the vessel through the waters with a horn. And it says at the bottom, this myth is seen as an allegory for the preservation of the world, because Vishnu represents the, the, the aspect of God that is preservation. For the preservation of the world and the sustenance of life, with Vishnu in the form of Matsya being the protector of the universe during times of cosmic crisis. Well, and, and just to this is when we looked at this earlier, cosmic crisis, I think, is a key phrase that can describe the whole period that we're in now and that we'll be continuing to be in for the next few years i like that the 
adjective cosmic is attached because that tells us about our astrology and the mythopoetic ensouled cosmos that a lot of this is just part of larger cycles and we can just try to open our hearts and love as best we can as we get through these kind of cosmic you know cyclical uh, you know um, maneuvers here and I think that just to come back to the transit as soon as you told me that and I thought about water and it was these are the transits it's the saturn and pisces uranus uh, neptune and pisces but it's that eclipse chart to come back to the what it's that it's mars and saturn and pisces in that eclipse chart it's the new progressed moon sibley and pisces all so there's pointing. some major met all pointing to this idea of like if there's a flood uh of whatever it's going to be you know what is our present what are our tactics or technologies of preservation and of course it's going to be divinity and divine some kind of divine cosmic spiritual practice you mentioned to this to me earlier that adam ellenboss you've heard him tell this and you had said that it was the idea that our spiritual practices grow to these big fishes that will eventually rescue us and so right, right. that's exactly when we come back to the idea of what we're choosing and earlier I was like, let's choose, this is what I'm choosing, my meditation, whatever it was, media diet. You know, what if that's, even though if there is some kind of bigger flood and I think it probably will be, hopefully it's just psycho spiritual and information as we get into these strange times, but those containers of spirit that we can feed and let grow are going to save us. Like in this story, Matsya, Vishnu became yeah yeah Vishnu you know towed the boat with the horn I love that in the GPT write-up um that it was um the the idea that he when the flood came Manu used the boat to save himself the sages and the samples of all species on earth so life continues and Matsya is said to have guided Manu's boat through the flood often depicted as a large fish towing the vessel through the waters with a horn I mean that's kind of a beautiful image um I wonder if there's any art that's depicted. Uh, I bet there's some great art. Oh, yeah, the there is. Yeah. yeah. And isn't that amazing how it's so close to the biblical flood story? It's like that flood story occurs in every tradition all over the world. But I also want to say, too, the protector of the universe during times of cosmic crisis, you know, we have to remember that that word in, in Chinese, the word for crisis is also the same word as opportunity. So we were weaving back to earlier when, when I started about saying, you know, yes, we have a choice. Yes, things are dire. We had to issue trigger warnings. Yes, yes. And uh, choice and crisis opportunity. There's an opportunity to choose something that maybe it's not based on the past. Certainly, if we build that muscle of a spiritual practice, pranayama, meditation, qigong, tai chi, yoga, like all of those, and, and whatever those practices are that build out your consciousness, that we get really jiggy with them. And if we haven't started, it's not too late. Here we are, it's 2023. And if we have to keep going keep moving, building that, like the fish in the container, build that bigger boat, because one day we're going to need that big boat that we've built of our spiritual practices. That boat is what's going to carry us through these earth changes. Yeah, beautiful, just beautiful. And I, I just want to throw a prayer to that list. To me, that's, uh, I love the other stuff I do, but prayer is kind of, for me, this the ultimate form 
uh, you know, sincere, honest, just kind of opening the heart and just verbalizing to the divine as one understands the divine. So I, I try to do as much of that as I can as well. Um, anyhow, that's powerful stuff. Um, just thank you for sharing this with me. It's beautiful to, to um, be exposed to this today. Wow. I'm going to have a better day. Uh, for gonna have a better day about too. this stuff so <laughs> between this and that that christmas truce man let's let's all just create christmas truce you know it was like this piece of consciousness bubbled up during the war and there there goes back again to sj you know with the uranus and gemini it's like okay this this other higher consciousness bubbling up and it's like it can take hold. I mean, for that magical few hours that those soldiers played on the field with each other and partied and they even gave each other little Christmas presents. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it, it's like, it, it just showed us, I mean, it was only for a little bit, but it's like, Hey, it's already been done. Now all we got to do is grow it just like the, the fish in the container, you know, take that and then just keep growing it and growing it. To me, that, that feels that's the other side of this long dark night of the soul is that we, this is what's available to us, you know, to move. Yeah. We, it is going to, it is going to turn out. Uh, I mean, I say it's, it is going to turn out. Okay. It is, it, but, and we do have to go, we can't deny that we're not going to go through a dark night, but there is this choice that we have. So. 100%. Absolutely. And I think this, this is why talks like this are, needed you know we need people coming together to say well how are we psychically and spiritually processing the intensities and that's why in the talk i, I mean people can see that video but i have a whole section at the end that's it's like titled psycho spiritual processing because you can't you know you without including that you are very much um you know left maybe ill-equipped and I even, I had a little trigger warning introduction I recorded. And I'm like, go to that end, go see the psycho spiritual processing. You have to do that in order to process this information. And that's some of the feedback I got. So this video feels like a nice companion because we've done, we've had some really cool deep layers, uh, symbolic layers that um, I think can help augment. Um, so, you know, again, thank you. Just beautiful to have uh, come into this uh, with you and, um, it really does make me think about the Piscean moment we're in in a whole new way with fish. I mean, that's the whole fish symbolism. And now you have that story. You've got the waters of a, of a cosmic crisis through like a flood um, and, and, and it's preserving, persevering through that. So I really do think it fits our, our astrology um, over the next two years very much. So this uh, metaphor from the Gita, this, this allegory. So yeah, and, and that the boat is our spiritual practices and astrology is kind of like a passenger on the boat that's helping guide and navigate. But honestly, you really, like like you were saying earlier, if you had to choose, it's it's the boat. If, if you got nothing out of this conversation today is like get that, build that boat and keep building and expanding that boat. That's what's really that's what really matters. And the astrology is just pointing to how important that is and the timing of, of why that is so crucial right now. Saturn is seafaring in the ancient texts. So it actually is the sailors. And I, I would say it's the boats too. It's the container the structure. Right. And so that's, that's beautiful. Um, yeah. 
When does Saturn hit that exact conjunction with uh, Neptune? I know it's going to be in Aries, yeah. but um, even it'll get pretty darn close when it's still in Pisces. Let's uh, walk through that. Let's just like animate that. I think that might be a nice kind of closing just to sure. kind of see this animation. I'm going to um, actually remove just to make it easier to see um, everything except Neptune and Saturn. And we can see here we're in November 2025. Actually, I'm gonna, let me walk back if you don't mind, because uh, I want to start in um, May. Sure. Uh, and actually, we can go Neptune comes into Aries. Let's go back to May 2024. And we'll just animate it. So here's uh, May 2024, Neptune and Aries. And you can see Neptune first enters Aries. Um, right. I don't know. It's stations retrograde in July 2024. So nothing's in Aries yet. We're in July 2024. But Saturn got closer. Now they're both retrograde. Saturn sep separating from Venus, getting farther away. And then as the we start, they both station direct in November, December. And then now Saturn, the faster moving planet gets closer and closer. Neptune's now moving faster. We're in January 2025. You can see that here is the ingress. The first ingress of either planets into Aries happens right here in 2025, March, roughly. So like March 30th, 2025, you get Neptune and Aries. Saturn and Pisces and it's the same story they're both retrograde together so they're just inching closer but so there um, Saturn does not meet Pisces in 2025 it gets darn close but it enters Aries they both are co-present in Aries in 2025 uh, starting uh, in May 2025 this will be a major major preview of their eventual conjunction in February 2026 this may be as loud I think we'll know a lot of what it's about I mean but at this moment they're co-present right in the, that first deck and right in those first two degrees in 2025 starting in May and then they don't meet they go backwards this is that Piscean climax that I think will be very much this kind of flood moment if people go to my talk I, using a various techniques, point to November 2025 as the, the time that I'm most kind of concerned about some kind of cathartic climax of this whole thing, period. It's two and, years from now. Yeah, it's two years from now, and it's September 2025. That's when Saturn first re-enters Pisces. Then Neptune will re-enter Pisces um, right here in October. And this is right in the pocket that I've highlighted because you'll have Neptune and then Uranus is anoretic. Um, let me edit and just throw Uranus on so everybody can see that. You've got a Neptune uh, to uh, Uranus is anoretic starting uh, right here, no, uh, 8 November 2025, an anoretic Uranus, anoretic Neptune. So that's kind of, it's just symbolically. Uh, gyration that's, that's a term I've been using lately you know kind of gyration maybe increased gyration that means just movement and that's the anoretic and but it's this Piscean moment we were looking at earlier um, and then you keep going and what you get is in 2026 first Neptune enters uh, final time and then Saturn will follow Neptune and it's February when they meet exactly right here in like 22nd February, it's 20th, 22nd, 21st, 20, 20th, 21st February, 2026 is the exact conjunction. 
Um, and then just following uh, Uranus enters Gemini for good um, here a, few, a month later, two months later, that uh, is right here in April. So that's kind of some of the ephemeride timing that we're just looking at. But I think it's worth seeing that May 2025 moment is also very important for the Neptune-Saturn story. Um, anyhow, that's it. There, uh, There's the answer on that, on that one. Uh, cool. Thank you. Welcome, you're welcome. I'm going to stop and come back to you. Uh, just full screen yeah wow that has been such a ride whoa yeah what a ride i know what a ride wow we, we were on matsya's boat or manu's boat and <laughs> we went on such a ride yeah i know really grateful for your time grateful to be with you and thanks for your time yeah thanks for sharing this and just uh yeah i'm happy that we have this uh here we've articulated some of these things i think it'll be a, a useful people out there and and i'm grateful to be able to do it and be with you so all right all right everybody so at sj anderson 144 is sj's youtube channel and um to contact sj it's just sj anderson 144.com is that yep, right there. okay good. that's it yeah, and i'll put the links below yes yeah. all right and well, I wish you all have a great time off. I know it's well-deserved, especially after today's talk. Definitely need a few days to process that one. <laughs> all right, my dears. Well, all right, much love to all of you. And please, if you found this information useful, please do share it with your friends. Uh, like, share, subscribe. I hope we've given you enough hope about how to you know, navigate through this and that, um, yeah, we, we know the tools for for doing this um, in the highest way to, to make the most of this in terms of our evolution, it's individual and collective. All right, everyone, we'll have a great one and much love to you all. We'll wish, we wish you the best and we'll see you soon. This is Irliana Samsara and SJ Anderson wishing you the very, very best. Namaste. Namaste. Our sound speaks, our soundastrology.com. Have a great one. Bye for now.